Welcome to the Tech.eu podcast, where we discuss some of the most interesting stories in European tech today. Let's do this. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Tech.eu podcast. I'm Robin Wouters, founder of Tech.eu, and I'm joined here today remotely, of course, as usual, uh, by Dominique Jackson. He's the VP of Insight and Talent at Index Ventures, a well-known VC firm, of course. It needs no introduction. Uh, we're not going to talk about Index all that much. We are going to talk about the not optional campaign and the report that was just put out by the organization. Uh, now, just for context, and I'm going to quote from the TechU post about this, um, spearheaded by Index Ventures and supported by more than 700 CEOs, the not optional campaign is spurring policymakers to reform outdated rules and regulations that limit employee ownership. That's, of course, quite a big topic across Europe in light of the desire uh, to ramp up the competitiveness of the region uh, compared to other regions in the world uh, when it comes to tech excellence. And, and of course, the ability of European tech scale-ups to attract and retain talent has always been top of mind in the industry. But the financial and the taxation aspect of it has really come to the forefront in recent years. So we have Dominic on uh, to have a conversation about just that. Uh, maybe for starters, can you tell us a little bit more about how Not Optional was born? Sure. Uh, thank you for inviting me to be on the podcast today as well, Robin. Um, yeah, well, Not Optional was born back in 2017. It followed a, a, a big research study we did at Index called Rewarding Talent, which was diving into it. was a guide and sort of handbook for European entrepreneurs on how to use stock options. And uh, it, it was an end-to-end guide, but included in there was a whole uh, sort of dictionary or directory of different policies we researched across European countries. And really, in light of that, we saw so many differences from amazingly best practice, like world-class practice, through to some of the worst uh, regulations that we saw anywhere as well. So we thought actually there's a real up-leveling opportunity here across Europe that would really support the ecosystem. So on the back of that, we spoke to a number of different entrepreneurs and startup organizations and um, decided to sort of, we drew up a manifesto and we had a, a, an open letter and we asked for signatories from that. So. We put that out and we had an amazing response. We had like 700 signatories by now. We had an immediate, like within a few days, we had like four or 500 signatories, including people like sort of Patrick and John Collison from, uh, you know, from Stripe and Daniel Dines from UiPath. They're some of the real luminaries. And we thought we we're really hitting something here. There's clearly something here. And so, yeah, we've, we've, we've sort of taken the lead in sort of pushing the agenda forward, but bringing those constituents with us as well in terms of, talking constantly to different European groups and governments as well as to Brussels and the, the EC, uh, the Commission, to try and get this more on the agenda and to push for reforms. Fantastic. Well, I've been watching it from the beginning. I think it's great. Uh, very much necessary to have uh, someone pushing it this hard. Um, now, the report that came out this week, uh, I'll be very, very honest. I haven't had time to look through it in much detail. But that's why we have you on uh, to explain it a bit. But the headline number was that the not optional campaign helped put more than 5 billion euros into the hands of European startup employees. Um, where does that number come from? Sure. So back, you know, back in when we, when we sort of first research was done back in sort of 2016 to 2017, uh, I'm, I'm constantly looking at benchmark data for employee ownership. So that's in two ways. The, 
the size of the ESOP, which is the portion of the uh, of, of equity which is uh, collectively in the hands of employees in the form of stock options. Um, and uh, we ran that analysis back at that point and then ran it again last year to compare like what's changed. So it's really from analyzing that benchmark data, which is a combination of using available data from third party sources, as well as looking at the many dozens and dozens of companies in our own portfolio and being able to have to be able to validate and triangulate the data. So that's how we know that there's been a step up, which has been really encouraging in employee ownership across those periods. So using just the point of like a series D company, so sort of a late stage company, you know, we track it at different points in the cycle, but using that, we saw that the ownership had increased from 12% being in the hands of employees back in 2016-17 through up to 20 to 16%. So that's a 4% increase. And then if we to get to the 5 billion figure, if you look at how many new billion plus valued companies were created over the last two years, so unicorn companies, uh, there are 124 according to Atomico's State of European Tech report. So if you take that 4% increase with 124, uh, and you just conservatively assume that even if all those unicorns at the higher end have been cut down to a billion dollar average valuation, you get 4% times 124 billion. So it's the 5 billion mark. And that's ignoring obviously any, uh, all the much, much larger numbers of startups at earlier stage where the increases are also seen. So we think we've been pretty conservative in that estimate. Wow, so the actual number could be quite quite a bit higher, uh, as I understand it. Um, so uh, what I like about not optional as well, if you go to the website, it's not optional.eu, by the way, there's a ranking uh, of uh, which countries in Europe are doing uh, the best and also the worst. A big shout out to Belgium, uh, where I'm from, of course, uh, that is last in the ranking, at least last time I checked. Um, so geographically speaking, where is the progress coming from? Where are the things happening that need uh, to happen? Sure. Well, look, I'll just stay up front. I think the biggest change over this period so far, or the biggest, that to get from that 12 to 16% increase, the biggest increase, yeah, the reason for that has been, I think, on the part of talent, investors, and entrepreneurs, right? The policy piece is supporting it. But I think the biggest change has been, you know, growing appetite and hunger to own stock options on the part of employees and talent and a growing willingness and on the part of founders and investors to give up equity because they recognize just how critically important it is to hire and retain and motivate the top people um, to build a successful company. So I think that's the biggest driver. And just I'll say as an aside, it's a bit of a plug here, but it's like very, it was very heartwarming. Yeah, we, we put out as part of our rewarding talent work, so the specific index work uh, and guidance to entrepreneurs, we have an app called Option Plan, which has now become a sort of de facto standard for entrepreneurs across Europe to look to Option Plan to decide for a given specific person in a given role at a given level, how much equity or how many stock options should you be giving them. And the benchmarks, the aspirational benchmarks that we set out in uh, when we launched the app in 2017, have now, when, when I look back and look at the research and re-ran re the numbers, those aspirational benchmarks have become the average median benchmark in Europe on almost every role. 
And that's really heartwarming. That's really, that's the bottom-up driver for that increase from 12 to 16%. Um, and we've now stepped up. We've updated the aspirational benchmarks in option plan accordingly, which we're hoping will keep that sort of momentum on this as well. So that's been a super, super important driver up to now, I think. And you can feel it in the ecosystem. People have been more, uh, there is a sort of growing maturity and hunger and it's becoming a bit more Silicon Valley-like in behavior, um, which is really positive. And then the policy piece is then the sort of thing which will support and sustain that sort of change in attitude and behavior uh, within the ecosystem. Um, just to make that clear, sorry, that was a, <laughs> to get us to oh, that's all right. That's quite all right. Uh, we are where we are now. Uh, there is yeah. momentum for sure. There is lots of talk about this, uh, not just in governments or policy circles, but also from the community itself, which is great to see. Um, again, we are where we are. How do we keep up this momentum? What more can and should be done? Um, and what more can we expect from not optional uh, in that regard? Absolutely. Well, it, as you say, it has been, there's been really, really strong momentum. And yeah, we at the not optional campaign uh, are in constant contact with a number of different, as we said, governments, uh, national startup associations, as well as with the commission. So, yeah, first, you know, the, the big prize would be some change or state, you know, or sort of regulations coming out of Brussels to sort of really drive some more alignment, harmonization, minimum standards, etc., on the part of member states. And it's really encouraging that in the European innovation agenda, from last year, part of that has, has led to the convening of a European stock options working group um, out of the DG Research and Innovation. So that's a big change. The first time the commission is putting this formally on the table and having a working group specifically looking at the issue of stock options. Um, and you know, they're, they're now looking, they're, they're, that's, that's gonna meet very, very soon. They're just convening the membership finalizing that and the terms of reference. But we're hoping that that will really put some fire uh, under things as well to sort of drive momentum. And as just bringing every member state together in terms of, look, this is how to do it. These are the minimum standards on what to achieve. And then again, bottom up, each member state, you know, we've, we've had change, we've had reforms, positive reforms from Ireland, from the Netherlands and from Spain that have taken effect within the last 12 months. Uh, and some from Sweden as well. Um, and we've got in the pipeline, we've got the UK introducing changes from April and Austria and Belgium, you know, to hat tip again, Robin, uh, have got, uh, are working on proposals right now where they're sort of pretty high up, you know, going through the pipeline towards uh, legislation. Um, so there is a lot of movement. Um, you know, it is a slow process, but it's chipping away at those sort of impediments and those things which get in the way of granting uh, stock options and making them attract, making them attractive and easy to use for companies, for startups, and uh, beneficial and attractive to uh, talent as well. And you know, tax rates is obviously a big part of that, but it's a lot more than that. A lot of this is around bureaucracy, just the timing of taxation as well as the rate. Uh, and just, you know, some sort of specific things around what type of shares are you allowed to even issue stock options in the first place. So the things are really fundamental. So it's not just as like what people are saying to say, oh, it's startups looking for a tax break. It's like a lot more. There's a lot of other things you can do to make stock options attractive other than just, you know, things which are seen as tax breaks. 
Absolutely. Um, one question that I've always been meaning to ask you, um, this sort of campaign would typically come sort of from the community grassroots or from the startup associations. Why is Index Ventures behind this? And and, and how do you even manage to find time to do it? Why, why does it make sense for the firm and for yourself? Well, I think you know, Index was born on the, on the premise of, you know, our founders who are, you know, sort of Swiss actually, um, They'd, but they'd lived and worked in on the West Coast and in the US, and they'd seen the sort of beginning of the internet era. And they basically said, we want to bring that Silicon Valley style of venture capital to Europe. And, you know, already back then, the sort of use of stock options and employee ownership was a key part of the flywheel of innovation in Silicon Valley. So it's been very much in our blood since that, since our founding to bring that sort of uh, awareness and use of stock options to the table, and so uh, you know, so we we think we've been very sort of progressive and forward thinking on that from from European perspective. But you know, we're often having to sort of shout, you know, shout from the from the rooftops anyway to try and get that message across. If we're in conversations with other investors here in Europe or whatever over the years, we've had to sort of try and bring them along in terms of recognizing this, and. So really this campaign was sort of, okay, how can we recognize the growing awareness of this now and harness that momentum that the broader ecosystem has? We're not a lone voice anymore by any means. The ecosystem's like broadly behind this. So how can we just really push that, drive the education piece throughout the entire ecosystem and also take it to policymakers as well to try and get these changes. So we felt it was sort of very much part of our DNA and having had the success with the uh, option plan app and the rewarding talent work we put out, which you know, option plan has been, and rewarding talent have been accessed and used by more than 250,000 uh, founders since we, since we launched them, right? They have become the sort of de facto playbook for how entrepreneurs and investors think about stock option plans and what to allocate uh, in that bottom up way. So doing the top down, how do we drive change at a policy angle, seemed like a natural extension of that work, uh, and as I said, of our like founding principles. Super impressive. Uh, thanks for sharing, um, Dominic. If we would be having this conversation a year ago, um, it would have been different. I mean, we've since you know, the Ukraine invasion, economic crisis, etc. Um, has the conversation around ESOP shifted because of you know the market dynamics that we've seen, or or is it still like full steam ahead? No, it's a, it's a really it's a really good question, and I think you know uh, you know obviously we've seen a, 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 that that massive shift. I think first thing is you know we've been around for more than twenty five years. I've been at Index for eleven years. You know you 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 see and in the world of tech for longer. So yeah, you see these cycles, right? And you have to see through the cycles as well. It's painful each time you go have that downturn, and they can be you know, this one is a painful one. Uh, you have to look at the fact that the secular change in terms of the importance and the driving force of digitization and of innovation are always going to be there. So regardless of what point in the cycle we are, you know that in another 10, 15 years, technological innovation is going to be driving economic growth, um, you know, whether you're in a particular up or down in the particular cycle. So you've got to keep an eye on that. And when you're talking about policy work, you have to look through cycles because the timelines are multi-year. 
Um, we are now also, I think, starting to see, you know, hopefully, sort of tentatively, some like little green shoots. Um, and in terms of, you know, what we see in the market, there's still a really, really strong appetite at the bottom end of like, you know, new entrepreneurs and you know, pre-seed and seed stage startups coming to the table. That's still really healthy, which again is the longer term outlook. So, you know, in terms of the importance of stock options through this, that then, you know, the, the life of a startup, because it's a very successful startup, which ends up IPOing from in conception and founding to IPO date, the average is 11 or 12 years. So again, it's almost any startup is going to see economic cycles up and down. So you've got to see through that uh, longer term lens. So I think that's, that's, the, that's the key point. And in terms of equity, there's a lot of, you know, startups are now super cash strapped. Almost every company is revising its budgets and trying to hold on and hold cash to keep its cash runway as long as possible. And in that environment, using stock options as a way of compensating and rewarding staff becomes more attractive. You know, you're trying to hold on cash. So it's like, okay, we can't, might not be able to give you the sort of step ups in cash salary salaries that we have over the last few years, but we can still reward you with equity um, with stock options. So it's, it's still extremely important uh, as a part of the compensation mix. It's, this actually, I think this period of time makes them more attractive in terms of from a company perspective. Fantastic. Okay, we're going to wrap it up. Uh, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for all the work that you're doing with Index Ventures and with Not Optional, of course. Uh, we're looking forward to the continuation, of course, of those efforts. Um, but thanks again for your time and uh, have a good rest of the week and weekend. Thank you very much, Robin. And thanks for your support personally and with TechEU as well for what we're trying to do and being part of our campaign as well.